Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. College football season is in full swing, and the last of the major pro sports leagues are off and rolling. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. College basketball is ready to go. The NFL, college football, and the NHL are all in play right now. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the basketball betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fear of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Penn State defeats Rutgers by a score of 27 to 6, the final home game of the season for the Nittany Lions. Penn State improves to 9 and 2, and it was a weird one. It was a really boring football game. Let's be very, very honest. Uh, Penn State, you can look at the score and be like, man, you know, they, they seem to have controlled the game. And uh, you would be wrong. This was weird. This was just weird. And Justin, I know you and I expected fight from Rutgers. We expected them to be able to run the ball well. We expected them to be able to play a good defense against Penn State. Uh, they did the latter more the former, I would say. But still, this was a this is a boring ass game. I don't, <laughs> what did you see? No, I would agree. It was a boring game. But you know, some. Uh... It's the theme of the year, some very elite defense where you shut them out in the second half. No touchdowns given, so that's a that's a positive. I would love that uh, interception from K.J. Winston off the blitz um, of uh, Kaitlin King, especially the way they've been setting up the blitz all year with you see in Johnny Dixon's um, production from just a red, uh, blitzing defensive back. But that's some of the creativity that we've seen because on the offense, we're just kind of running the ball. I mean, we, we were effective in sense of, uh, the we saw the the Bo Perbula package, right? We get some runs Finally. in there, kind of like, <laughs> not too much passing, but we know pretty efficient on the on the ground with eight point eight yards of carry. Uh, Katron and Nick both efficient on the ground. So I mean, just kind of a talent, a lopsided talent display. I think that we've seen today, but 
yeah, it was a it was a boring one, but got to take the W's how we get them at this point. So at nine and two, see what we're going to do with this offensive coordinator position. <laughs> yeah, that still remains to be seen. Uh, thank you all for commenting, subscribing, turning on notifications, like, comment, rate us, all those good things. This will air on our audio-only platforms. Uh, we are going to get to some of the comments in the chat right now, and if you do want to get involved in the Super Chat and donate, then we thank you very much. All of that is going to towards the ability for us to do this more often. So uh, the first thing I think we have to talk about here is Drew Aller getting hurt in the third quarter. I talked about this in the preview episode uh, for this game. I talked about this in the recap from the Michigan episode, the Michigan game. Drew Aller is not built to be a running quarterback. He is mobile enough to avoid pressure, and he could make something out of nothing if the pocket breaks down. But to call consistent quarterback draws with him is stupid. And it was a significant change that we saw in this offense under the new co-offensive coordinators is you put Drew Aller in harm's way. And wouldn't it shock anybody that he took a direct shot to his throwing shoulder in the third quarter and then had to come out of the game? And who knows? It could have been worse. He had paper up of his nostrils, so maybe he had whiplash from the hit. Who knows if it's worse? Justin? I talked about it in the Michigan game where it was the um, the, the, the cross-field pass. Like he threw it to the running back, Catron Allen, then he threw back to Drew Hour, and you had him out in space in no man's land to get killed by three Wolverines. What possesses this staff to put this type of athlete in these positions? I mean, when you think about just the offensive identity, going back to that and just the philosophy, there's certain things where if you're sticking to it, you stick to it. And, and certain things that are set up as a counter off of that, if it's the RPO is kind of the offense that we're running or that's just built into it, it's almost like you got to run draws to keep them honest. I'm not a fan of the calls. I'm not a real fan of Drew kind of taking shots, even when they were successful plays, getting 10 plus yards on the carry, because if he were to get, you know I mean, hit, which... It, it's going to happen, right? I don't, I, and I don't really, it's going to happen, but I also don't, again, this isn't the NFL in the sense of I don't go too much into the, I, I get protecting the quarterback still 100% injury rate out here. So like there's like a different level of where the quarterback plays, especially when we're just going to have them sitting back there trying to be our, you know, gunslinger type of quarterbacks. Cause when bro came, when Bo came in, they didn't really change the game plan and it, kept and it and it worked but that goes back to knowing your personnel and all things aligning versus like what do we want to do versus the personnel alignment because when Bo came in it didn't seem like the game plan changed and they were still effective right with nine yards of carry not passing the ball but it just that it, changed that changed which which, which part the effectiveness well, they didn't they, they attempted one pass after drew came out of the game that's but, a, but what I'm saying, they were they started they were running quarterback draws. So I'm saying the quarterback yes. draws and the quarterback runs were consistent throughout the game. So the game plan, and we just saw it a personnel change. So maybe that just kind of questions what we were saying before with the alignment of philosophy, uh, uh, schematics, and actual personnel. So see how this thing goes moving forward. But yeah, you don't want to see Drew Aller taking hits on a, a QB. Mm -hmm. run. No, no. Uh, let's get to some of the comments because uh, this reinforces my point. Um, Farzad, why does the offense seem to operate better with Prabula? Because, and, I, and I've said this before on this show, this is not frustration with you, Farzad. It's, a, it's an excellent question. <laughs> this has been the offensive identity and philosophy, to use Justin King's terminology because it's true, 
This has been the offensive philosophy and identity for James Franklin since Vanderbilt. He has had quarterbacks, and I was texting Justin about this not a few days ago, that have averaged between six foot and six two and 200 to 220 pounds. Their names are Jordan Rogers, Austin Carter Samuels, Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, and now Bo Perbua. Okay. The two outliers in that are Christian Hackenberg and Drew Aller. I don't know why these balloons are going up, but they just did. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, I don't know what Apple does with my screen now. But anyway, <laughs> this is how James Franklin's offense is meant to be operated. And that should be immensely frustrating for most Penn State fans that see the skill set of Drew Aller and realize it's a square peg in a round hole. So to the question of why does it seem to operate better is because James Franklin wants a quarterback that is dual threat. Question here from Justin. JF offense is always better with a dual threat quarterback. Don't know why he doesn't stick with it. Have a feeling Drew was Mike Yersich's guy. Justin, the latter has been discussed openly for about three years. It has. I mean, and I try to go back to check the fact check, but that's kind of James's. Think of saying giving the offensive coordinator some leeway to who his guy is going to be at that quarterback position and who you feel comfortable rolling with. And if you want to open up your pass game or have that element, there is a piece of having a guy with a strong, a strong arm, right? Like a Drew Aller and just his matchups. But like, I mean, sometimes there's a conflicting interest when the head coach philosophy and the offensive coordinator's philosophy kind of conflict with the personnel that aligns on the field and maybe maybe that is what we're seeing right because we have seen success with more dual threat quarterbacks and not to say that we had well yeah trace mcsorley he ran the ball a lot but like because because drew aller is he, he's he has a mobility in the in the in the pocket he can escape the rush he can actually move better than i thought going into yeah. this year but at the same time he's not a threat to run the football like Bubba Bueller is, as we've seen today, or keeping that efficient office. I heard it today where they maybe met with the coaches and they said they want to make sure that they stay efficient more so than explosive. So that's a telling sign, too, and how they're thinking about different aspects. Because to say you want to be more efficient than explosive on offense, staying in front of the sticks, like that's more leaning towards the run game and just instead of like explosive plays from the outside perimeter um quarterback and receiver type of play so it's going to be interesting as we move forward like i said because the game plan was the same with both quarterbacks and we've seen it just executed better with both uh matthew in the chat here i like this backup quarterback bo perbula can he throw and that's the head scratcher is that uh, matthew also went on to say only one pass for bo perbula uh, in the second half and it's like it's weird because we have seen bo throw the ball i remember the northwestern game he had that very nice touchdown pass to trey potts um and so it's not that he can't throw the ball why do you think they elected for him to not throw the ball they just saw what michigan did last week and they're like oh we should do that <laughs> no really i to be honest with you i don't think when we think about calling plays it's like a rhythmic type of flow right there's a guy i don't know if j1 was calling his plays for the first time of the day but you go to where you're comfortable. I always like to tell, like, just a casual fan, think about when you play Madden. Like, you get, you have all those different plays, but you know your friends that you're playing against, and they go to that same package on third down, and they're going to do what they feel comfortable that they are used to execute. It's, a, it's naturally the same thing within a college football game. And the, the 
bigger your bag is, or the more calendars you have, the more charisma and confidence you have as an offensive coordinator to pull those things out and execute those is when I would think the offensive coordinator separates themselves in college football. But to say that, I mean, they were having success running the football. So it's you almost want to just make sure that you're maintaining that game. Because remember, Rutgers was playing good football. Like It wasn't like we were just moving the ball up yep. and down the field. So there was a level of like, oh, we got to keep the ball away from them and still not get out of here in a dogfight and let this one slip away. Uh, Eli getting in here. Um, it's a stretch, but I'd like to see Bo start next week. I think this thought is inevitable. It's the back of quarterback. I, I still think if Drew Hour is not hurt to the point that he's not able to go next week, it, it should still be Drew Hour. Sure, sure. I think, I mean, when you come down to dual threat quarterbacks in college, there's this comfort with fans because just of the aesthetic or just the lifeline of things breaking down and saying, like, yo, he can run. And that's what we're going to face with the, the Bo Bermuda versus Drew Aller thing because even when we had our previous quarterbacks or just debates of what was happening. I remember the fan base when Hackenberg was there. It was like, Hey, we need to put this Trace McSorley guy in. Mm-hmm. That seemed to work, but then it was like Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens, but they were both dual threat guys. Uh, Sean Clifford was more of a throwing type of quarterback, but had the ability to run just to say there's a comfort when things break down and you have a quarterback that could move around in the pocket and make big things happen versus thinking that it has to go through the offensive coordinator to play calls, how things are set up when you have someone that's standing back there and just delivering passes, because now you have to have dynamic receivers. You have to have time to throw the ball. You have to have uh, the way that the plays are called in the smooth way. So as you're setting up different routes and things like that, but I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see the quarterback thing moving forward, but I do think Drew should still be the starting quarterback. I, I completely agree. And I hope that Drew is, okay in the grand scheme of this um there's a particular drive that i want to talk about and i texted you briefly about it justin as this game was going on uh towards the middle of the third quarter at exactly the nine minute and 41 uh second mark penn state had the ball at the rutgers five yard line and they went for uh, the qb sneak on third and two they didn't get it fourth and one from the four they lined up to go for it Now, Rutgers called a timeout seeing this and was like, okay, let's huddle up and talk about this. You would maybe think the gamesmanship in that situation, Justin, is James Franklin attempting to get them to call a timeout, just see what the look is, and then he kicked the field goal. Because at that point, it was 10-6 to with 9.41 remaining in the third quarter. But no, the offense was trotted back out there to go for it on fourth and one and got stoned and didn't make it. Turnover on downs. I would love to hear the analytics reasoning as to why you don't take the three-point field goal. And by the way, Falcons, our kicker, Alex Falcons, is 82% on the year. He is a good kicker. It's not like Penn State is a bad field goal kicker and, oh, my God, this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. That's, that's not the issue with this team. Why in the world would you not make it a seven-point game but you go for it on fourth and one from Rutgers four yard line in the middle of the third quarter. Keep the ball, keep the drive going, trying to score a touchdown. That would be the rationale to say it's the right call. That's another decision, right? So like we got to start under, I don't know where who's making the decisions on the fourth down calls, but 
obviously they've Justin. committed they've committed to a personality Justin. thing i'm not i don't know what it would say i didn't call it i didn't call it <laughs> i think we all know who's making that decision <laughs> well no no i'm saying when we get down to the analytics i, I really don't think I, I mean i do think when it comes down to fourth down calls i don't know if the head coach is just like hey this is this that and the third like even though pete carroll like let's think about the famous fourth and one call in the super bowl he yeah. always says like hey i go to the analytics i go here what do you want to say oc and then it's like hey this is our safe call with a collective thought so it's just a matter of like yo what's the committee that in the committee of decision makers that are making those fourth down calls and what are they based on because if they're based on being uh being aggressive we're playing a better we're a better football team and we're just kind of lacking in this area to like why keep it close when we can continue to blow it away if we score seven points we if we all agree on that those are the type of decisions that you make and you live with now being stopped on fourth and one against a record defense that comes down to execution personnel again right so like i think it just goes both ways so for me it like any one solution or anyone decision isn't just made in a silo thing not when we've seen the history of the decision making on fourth down and obviously what their intentions are of trying to execute so until we get out of our own whether there's conventional football theories and see like hey that's not what they're trying to do so like because we just keep beating ourselves up because that's where we, everyone keeps getting frustrated as well be but just at the same time then you guys gotta start questioning is that the right philosophy to go about <laughs> I'll say it's not because of yeah, math. Because of math. <laughs> Basic math. You kick the field goal, it's a seven-point game. Perfect. You don't kick the field goal and you go for it on fourth down, a low percentage possibility there. And then even let's say you convert, it's not like the offense was lighting the world on fire today. So yeah, I get the concept of quote points being at a premium. And it based on the down and distance and where you are on the field. Yes, you could go and try and get the touchdown, and it's a higher point probability and all this stuff. Great. Also, you could kick the field goal and make it a seven-point freaking game as opposed to giving the ball up. Yeah, you give up the ball to Rutgers in their own territory. So it's like, yeah, they're on the four-yard line. You give them a very difficult field. Rutgers was able to move the ball today. That situation, they wound up punting. Penn State gets the ball back. Here's the, the head-scratcher that then followed. Penn State then elected to kick a 48-yard field goal on the next drive. Now, the, didn't inconsist go now the inconsistency court. kind of shoots my stuff in the foot, but that's where I'm saying that's where it needs to allow you. You just got to continue to roll with it. But yeah, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Like, to be completely honest, that's not, a, I wouldn't have done that. But I would love to meet this analytics guy more than anything in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wonder who actually, yeah, I'm not sure I'm stumped there. <laughs> I, even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it really is a no-brainer. Some of my personal favorites, the pub-style shepherd's pie is delicious, and the fully loaded pork taquitos, two of my favorite dishes. And Justin, on top of that, they're healthy, they're fresh, and they save me time and money talk about convenience something that tastes good and saving money i mean it's essential in my life where i'm just running around whether it's podcast talent management dealing with my daughter and tennis and moving around and having a healthy convenient meal that saves money on the grocery bill and just the food budget is amazing 
It's a plus one in my book. You hit the nail on the head. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. So head to HelloFresh.com slash 50lion and use code 50lion, that's 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50lion and use the code 50lion, 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Listen, I, 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 I am immensely frustrated by those things. Uh, <laughs> l- let's get in the comment section here again. Sorry about my rambling. Uh, Derek saying, uh, just finished watching Michigan versus Maryland. I'm, gra- I'm glad this point came up because I believe Michigan, as uh, the time we we're recording this, uh, just barely outlasted Maryland by a score of 31 to 24. It was 29 to 24 deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, Derek uh-huh. saying, give me Penn State's defense and Maryland's offense today, uh, and you have an undefeated Penn State. I, granted, I did not get to watch the Michigan-Maryland game, was watching the Penn State-Rutgers uh, game, so it's hard for me to say. But it's just like, what, what, what how how did that happen? I, I don't know how that, unless Talia had the game of his life and Michigan just found a way to eke it out in the end. But like, it's just, it's perplexing, Justin. That's where it gets down to the offensive side. I mean, that's just the if this is the thing that's keeping us out of the elite category or just I don't know, those conversations are just frustrated at the end of the year at an 11 and 2 finishing record, possibly. I mean, because it, it does come down to, I mean, just to scale out a little bit to the business part of it, I mean, entertainment and excitement for fans, right? Like at the end of the day, no, and we're trying to rally up money for talent acquisition getting players that get excited to come here on the offensive side of football, getting fans to support NIL season tickets, all those different things. Like you do not want to come to the football. You don't want to come to a game and see something that's boring, even if you're winning, like, cause that's what we've seen throughout the season. Cause our record right now is nine and two. And we see the different discrepancies or whether even being confl- confirmed by the offensive coordinator getting fired after our point total per offense. So it comes down to the aesthetic of what we're pointing on on the offense. So with that being said, I think that the way that we play football can still be explosive and very aesthetically pleasing to fans, but they're just, I mean, there has to be alignment in what we want to do. I, I say that because like, it, it looks like there's, it's just a little, little clunky still. Clunky is a good way to describe it. Uh, Rick here in the comments section providing some context for us. Thank you, Rick, on what happened with Michigan and Maryland. Michigan's punter pinned them at their own one, uh, on a pint on a point that backed them up with a few minutes left. Then Maryland had an intentional grounding safety. Uh, Maryland, and this is Derek again, Maryland quarterback was called for a safety on an intentional grounding from the four yard line. A punt is what Rick meant. Thank you very much. I love this interactivity. This is great. Thank <laughs> you guys. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So it just sounds like they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit there towards the, the back end. And stop me if you've heard that before with Maryland. So I have a chance to get, watch that game back, but, it's just it's it's a head scratcher because this uh, this Penn State team thumped Maryland fifty one to fifteen, and then you saw what happened against Michigan and that that score. I don't think was really indicative of how much of a struggle it really was. And it's like, damn, you see these games like this, and even the way Maryland played Ohio State, and it's just 
it's it, maybe it's just a matchup thing. It just it's a hundred percent a matchup thing, right? And and that's where you kind of pick and choose how you build your football team when you're hey, we're trying to beat this group because we got to remember how the talent is being acquired. The same hotbeds in the country are being you know extracted by Ohio State, Michigan, mm -hmm. Penn State, Georgia. Like it's the same group of people, and so when that happens, I mean. I mean, it's, it's an arms race to an extent of, of talent. And when we get to that, it's, I don't know. It just kind of comes out clear in the cut what we see at the end of the seasons, how things are moving, with where teams are headed at the end of the year, and kind of what we want to move forwards from. Yeah. Uh, Rick, thank you again for your, your help in the comment section. You're a gem. Uh, so this, this was just a weird game altogether. And on top of that, this was senior day. So I, I do want to take a second and acknowledge – the, the seniors for Penn State, because you know you appreciate their efforts. Uh, the only senior who is completely out of eligibility is Hunter Norzad at center, who at times, James Franklin has said he's one of the best centers in the country. I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about what Norzad has done today, but uh, I, or not, not today, but this season. But uh, Norzad's going to be missed. Absolutely, man. It's always special to play your last game and get celebrated in Beaver State. I'm happy for all those guys living, leaving out on a – with a W. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are 24 other players that are listed as senior day participants with eligibility remaining. Uh, so it's like, okay, so on that list, Trey Potts, Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Malik Mega, Mason Stahl, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, Olu Fashano. I think we know Olu's probably going to the draft. Probably uh, Sal Warmly, uh, Caden Wallace, Nick Dawkins, Golden Israel Achumba, Ibrahim uh, Traore, Adisa Isaac. Adisa played very well today. Um, he He's played well all season. Absolutely. Uh, defensive end, Jake Wilson, Devon Elise, Akeem Beeman, Curtis Jacobs, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, Keaton Ellis. And there's a couple more on here. Keaton Ellis, Alex Falcons, the aforementioned Alex Falcons, and Riley Thompson. So all of those names I just listed still have eligibility remaining. How many of those guys are going to get back? Who knows? But yeah, man, this was just freaking weird. And and you have Michigan State next week, Friday night. Uh, that's on NBC at Ford Field in Michigan. I'm sorry, in Detroit. So it's like Michigan State has struggled this season. You expect this team, this Penn State team, to handle Michigan State on the road, despite you know the 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 night. You know that it's a Friday night instead of a Saturday. It's on the road. It's at an NFL stadium. All that stuff is all well and good. Uh, but it's like, man, this is just a what's the old adage in like a lion out like a lamb it kind of felt like that not to be you know a pun intended or anything like that kind of it's just a it just leaves me with a sour taste in my mouth how did you feel no i feel the same i think the energy around the game i mean there's some excitement with just senior day and things like that right but yeah the energy has changed and since we lost the two games to ohio state and michigan and just that was the hump going into the season that everybody was anticipating right it's like getting on a roller coaster and seeing two dips that look extremely petrifying and then you get there it's like ah man that's that's not what we waited all this time for and so going back to the drawing board but still trying to finish up the season right so next year we don't find ourselves in the same position and we have something to go into the offseason and build on top of because we have a championship level defense now it's just a little adjusting some little things underneath the hood of the car to make sure the offense is operating the way that we need it to mm-hmm uh, Rick getting involved again here in the chat, uh, talks of Penn state versus Alabama in the peach bowl. So again, the, the, the bright spot, I know people are looking for silver linings with this is that, yeah, you, you're nine and two. If you beat Michigan state, 
10 win season, double digit win season. And yes, you'll potentially get to play in the New Year's Six Bowl. Who you draw, that Bama team is talented. Jalen Milrow will be a problem for people. So again, it's it's entirely speculation at this point of what bowl game they could wind up in. But uh, Derek with an interesting question here in the comments section uh, on a different topic. How do you think the recruiting battle pans out for the Rutgers and Maryland's of the Big Ten now that you have the you-know-who's coming into the conference, uh, obviously referring to next season, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon rounding out the Big Ten to make it 18 teams altogether. Uh, what do you think about Derek's point? Um, it's an interesting point. I think they it's, just going, it's tough sledding, right? They have to live in the transfer portal, be able to identify players that are unhappy and kind of pull them up. Uh, like everywhere in college football, when those programs that are lacking in talent, you have to have a standard of measurables, speed, so that you just have traits that are on the field to be able to compete with top-level teams. Because at the end of the day, you're right. There's only a few five-stars. There's only a few elite guys that are difference makers. It's how much you can develop the rest of the guys and making sure that you have premium ingredients to develop them. And where you get those comes down to having an identity in their program, the type of players that can fit that program and execute, like I always talk about from the Penn State offense. So I think that's critical, the lower down in the total pole that you, total pole that you get from a recruiting standpoint because – Recruiting is about the brand, right? If you come in with a Penn State logo or Ohio State, I mean, I don't care what pitch Maryland or Rutgers has unless you have $500,000 to go along with it, that you're going to win a recruiting battle. So that's another thing that comes in with, especially with Rutgers and Maryland, they have big alumni and they're in power cities in the DMV with uh, Plank at uh, Under Armour. You got Rutgers just in next to the city. You get some uh, former alumni, donors, companies involved to maybe be able to move in the transfer portal the way that you need to and create that older dynamic of a team in the space. I think that's the only way that they can compete with the influx of talent coming in from the Pac-12. It's it's going to be really interesting because depending on how things play out for Penn State and you know what personnel are brought in or you know staff that are brought in, all those fluctuations that could potentially happen over the next nine months, uh, Penn State has the ability to – who knows? Could they leap the top two or could they get to the top two? Not entirely sure. Based on this season, it seems like there's still a gap. They have work to do. But there is enough ability in these teams coming from the Pac-12 that Penn State could find themselves not as like the number three team anymore in the Big Ten, but as low as seventh or eighth in this conference if if they don't keep up. And that's just and that's not a slight against what they have or what their ability could be in 2024, but Hell, you know, the divisions go away, right? So now eight and two Iowa, which is mind bending, is valued in a similar capacity to Penn State. So it's like, oh, yeah, no, you might be third in the Big Ten East, but now it doesn't matter. And now you get all these big teams from uh, the Pac 12 that are going to be competitive and are going to make things very, very difficult for everybody else in the Big Ten. It's, uh, I, I just believe uh, it's going to be a premium on scoring points. That's all. Oh, I, I will kill you. Like, <laughs> like, Going into the Big Ten, that's all. I, that's all I know. It's going to be a premium to score points. <laughs> put it on a t-shirt. It, I'm, I'm begging you. Put it on a t-shirt on Blue White Outfitters, and I will wear it. I will wear it. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. This has been a very perplexing afternoon of Penn State football. We are going to have a full preview of Penn State versus Michigan State coming up this Wednesday, as usual. And then that game is, of course, this coming Friday night 
7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, Penn State versus Michigan State in Detroit at Ford Field, the home of the Detroit Lions. So we're going to have a full preview of that. And in the very near future, Justin, we are going to have your friend Smoke Dixon on the show to talk to us a little bit about what Penn State is doing on the recruiting side and then also touching on what Penn State could do in terms of the new official offensive coordinator. Would I be correct on that? 100%. That is good. CBS 247 analyst Smoke Gerald Dixon, formerly the general manager of the Maryland football team. Beautiful. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Once again, Penn State uh, manages to outlast Rutgers in this game, final game of the season at Beaver Stadium by a score of 27-6. to Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.